Um, it's weird to be on this side of the lights and mic. I'm usually behind the scenes running around all crazy telling people to not be nervous, but here I am, totally nervous and barefoot. Uh, um, we moved around a lot. Um, I went to 12 schools in my life. No, we were not in the military, just uh, no real good reason for it, just gypsy blood, eternal drifters, I suppose. But I won't complain about my life because it made me the person that I am. I am typically not this nervous. I'm usually the first to introduce myself. I'm not afraid of a change. I'm not afraid of challenge. Um, I mean, I've been known to go on a vacation for three days to an island and stay for three years. And that's happened twice. <laughs> so um, I've had a very cool, unorthodox life. I have an arsenal of stories to tell, but tonight I am just going to share the one that has been the most significant new beginning of my life. Um, in 2013, I was a broker. I sold produce to major grocery chains and outlets around the world. I was healthy, I was happy, I was fit, I was working out. I had moved back home to be with my dad because my mom had passed a couple years prior, so rebuilding my life with my dad seemed like the right place for me to be and the right thing to do. So um, one of these times I was working out, I, I felt a really sharp pain in my stomach. And uh, I was like, ooh, that hurts. Kind of went about my life, and every time I'd work out after that, I'd get that sharp pain. And my legs started to swell. But like, I was very, very petite, so my legs were really swelling really, really bad. And all of a sudden, I noticed a lump on the low right of my abdomen. So I go to the doctor. The doctor does her little physical examination. And she says, uh, I don't feel great about that lump. I am going to send you for an ultrasound. And I'm like, OK, when? She goes, right now. So I leave her office. I go for the ultrasound. It's a Monday at 430. I get a call the very next morning at 7.30 that I need to go back into the doctor. Um, so nobody wants to get that immediate call. <laughs> um, she's like, you have a very large ovarian cyst on your left ovary. Um, because I sold produce, I equated things in sizes of fruit. So <laughs> it was the size of a pomelo. Um, like a huge, huge, large grapefruit over here. It seemingly came out of nowhere because I didn't have pain up until a couple of weeks before the doctor appointment. So it was so large, it was pushing my organs over to the right. So she's like, do you have a gynecologist? I said, no, I just moved back to the area. And she goes, okay, I'm gonna refer you to one. So she referred me to a doctor with 25 years of experience. Um, did I research the guy? Nope did not research him. I trusted that he was a physician, a surgeon. I trusted his years of knowledge, and I trusted the referral from my doctor. Uh, this is like, you know, that Tuesday. I meet with him the Thursday, and he goes, that thing needs to come out. You're at high risk of it bursting. What are you doing next Tuesday? So we scheduled the surgery for the following Tuesday. Nothing was discussed. There was no Nothing was discussed other than it was a basic, simple surgery. Let's get it out. So on Monday, I went to work as a broker, happy, successful. 
I finish my day at work, I leave, and I'm like, okay, guys, see you in a couple days. I'm going to go have a routine surgery. <laughs> um, on April 3rd, 2013, I walked into a hospital as a whole person, a healthy, for all intents and purposes, person, um, and happy. I meditated, I prayed, did all the things you're supposed to do. Uh, I consequently went in for a surgery that changed the course of my life. I wake up in recovery, and I'm a little sore, and the nurse says, puts her hand on my shoulder and says, we had to perform a hysterectomy on the table. Uh, you had endometriosis. It, it was pretty significant. We had to clear it out. So as I'm processing that I'll never have children again and what does this mean, kind of groggy, she removes the catheter. Now, I was sore from the surgery, but when she removed the catheter, I was in writhing pain, incredible pain. And I tell her, hey, I'm in pain. And she's like very dismissive. You just had a major surgery. Of course, you're in pain. I'm like, no, I was sore before you took out the catheter. Now I'm in pain. She sort of ignores me, leaves the room for what seemed like several hours until my surgeon came and checked on me. At this point, I'm like gray. And he asks what's wrong. I tell him what's wrong. He instructs the nurse to reinsert the catheter. They reinsert it. That writhing pain went away. I just go back to being sore. This little song and dance goes on for five days. Remove the catheter, reinsert the catheter, me beg for my life, blood in my urine, no bowel movement. Uh, every time they'd remove the catheter, my abdomen would spasm. I mean, there were visible signs that something was wrong and no one was paying attention to them. No one was believing me. So on the fifth day, I was blessed with a fever of 104.3, and they finally ordered a CT scan. So I go to have the CT scan, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter how many times I tell this story. This bothers me so much because it's the moment that my life changed. They read the results in my room with a, with a gasp. The doctor and the nurse both gasped. I had a one-inch hole in my intestine. So what probably started off as a nick on day one when I said I was in pain, in those five days had grown into a hole. So I was dying of sepsis in their hands. Um, so this led to an emergency surgery that they waited 14 hours to perform. <laughs> so I, this was a Sunday night, surgeons wouldn't come in. I had the surgery the next Monday. I came out of that surgery with a colostomy bag. And so every time I went under at that hospital, I woke up with a new part of me missing. And I was having to process this while fighting for my life. Anyway, the next 12 days, I endured four abdominal surgeries. Uh, they were kind of patching holes, cutting this, fixing that, plugging that, doing whatever they did. I left that hospital for the first time uh, 32 days later in a wheelchair with five bags hanging from my stomach. So um, I needed a home health care nurse for three months. I ended up needing the catheter for three months, and I had the colostomy bag for six. 
I couldn't sit, I couldn't lay, I couldn't move, I didn't have to move, bags were collecting everything. I kind of was just on a couch like this, um, so it led to muscle atrophy and different things. Um, the last corrective surgery uh, was six months later to reverse the colostomy. And although that surgery was a success, my body was so traumatized, it refused the staples. So I was getting low-grade fevers, and they removed the staples. And it left me with um, a gaping wound in the center of my abdomen, just like six inches long, like three inches, depending on how much padding I had, maybe four inches deep, like two, three inches wide. And I could never look at the thing. I could never bring myself to look at it. And my boyfriend and my dad had to clean that open wound for three months until it healed. So while I was fighting for my life, I lost everything. I lost my job. I lost my dignity. I lost my privacy. Um, I lost my friends. Because when you get real sick, people get really busy. Um, I went from making $80,000 a year to living on food stamps. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you would think that I would be a multimillionaire. I am not. We did try to sue. Uh, 13 attorneys would not even take my case. One finally said yes. It's very hard to prove negligence, particularly since you signed the waiver that you recognize you're aware of the risks of surgery. Um, one attorney did take it. We fought for two and a half years, and he dropped my case three weeks prior to trial. And when he gave the phone call, I was with my boyfriend, I was with my dad, and uh, he does the whole thing. There wasn't enough money in it for him. He just couldn't see continuing to fight blah, 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 blah. You're a beautiful person inside and out. You have so many things to offer, yada, 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 yada. Oh, and hey, by the way, at least you don't have cancer. That was his pep talk. <laughs> so prior to this surgery, I had always lived a life that I wanted to live. I lived wherever I wanted to live. I moved on a whim. I was a very successful free bird. I built like really cool careers that people dreamt of, retired from. I did whatever I wanted to do. But I never truly fulfilled my dreams, my true passion of being in the movies and working in entertainment and owning my own business. Because I come from very loving, very, very loving family, but they are a very traditional Latin family. And they were certain that if I went to Hollywood as a young girl in my 20s, I was sure to get kidnapped. So <laughs> I, out, out of respect for my parents' fear, I did not pursue my dreams in Hollywood, and I went to work. So cut to a couple years ago. It's like maybe, what year are we, 2018? So it's like 2000, late 15, 2016. I was still using my wheelchair, and I was terribly swollen. I had bandages out to here, you know, all of the things. I didn't have much of a social life. I couldn't really do much. And I was perusing the Internet, and I saw that a director was coming to Oxnard to interview Danny Trejo. I'm like, well, I don't have anything else going on. If I feel well, I'm going to go to that. So I did. I got there late, 
and the director on stage wraps his show by sharing a little anecdote that he had had brain tumors and he had had a couple of brain surgeries and he was still like surviving and all these things and I related to that immediately. So somehow or other I ended up standing next to him at the end of the show and I gave him a little piece of my story and I was in no condition to be working. I don't even really know why I said it. I said, hey, um, I can't really work, but if you can use some help somehow at some point, I don't know, remotely, whatever, um, can I give you my phone number? And he's like, yeah, give me your phone number. So I wrote it on this like little piece of scrap paper from a borrowed pencil and whatever, and I gave him my number, let it go. And forgot about him, frankly. And six or seven months later, he called me. And he said, Cindy, this is um, my boss's name. <laughs> are you ready to work? And I'm like, I'm totally not totally ready to work, but yeah, I can do something. And he goes, okay, come and meet me at CBS. So the next thing you know, I'm at the CBS television lot in Studio City, and the first person I met on the lot was Matthew Perry from Friends. And it's been uphill ever since. I have um, now become the producer of that same celebrity speaking series that I went to visit that one night. I have been in a commercial where I spell the word pomegranate. <laughs> and it's ironic because, as you know, I sold produce. <laughs> so, um, and I do a lot of other projects. And I have a little store in downtown Ventura. It sell, I sell artisan-made goods there. So all of my dreams are coming to fruition. I am not sure why this catastrophe happened to me because I was always the person who was very, very thankful for all of the blessings in my life, every day thankful for function and all everything. Um, but it happened to me for a reason and perhaps it's just because tonight maybe somebody's supposed to hear this or I'm supposed to share my story and somebody's supposed to learn from it. It sucks that it had to be so monumental and so life-altering. Um, but I'm glad it did because it catapulted me into fulfilling my dreams. And if I can leave you with one thought, it is to not wait to be gutted to follow your gut. 